0: you may be seated. I want to invite you this morning if you have a Bible or if you'd like to grab the one there in your pew and turn to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. The letter to the church in Thessalonica chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. These are Paul's words to this church. And these are the words that God gave to me to give to you this morning. Since the beginning of time, societies and cultures have had a desire to know the future. There have been soothsayers, there have been magicians, there have been fortune tellers, there have been fortune cookies. He who believes in fortune cookies is said to have a crummy life, as they say. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I remember The Psychic Network, one of my favorite movies, Back to the Future Part Two. If you remember, what really gets Marty in trouble is his quest to know the outcomes of sporting events as he travels into the future and buys a sports almanac. We want to know the future, don't we? We would love to know what lies on the roads ahead. Biblically, I think there's a good reason for humans to have this yearning, this yearning to know the future, to know what the road looks like, to know what lies ahead. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He, God, has put eternity into man's heart. Eternity into man's heart. The church in Thessalonica was really no different. They had these sorts of questions. What happens to believers who die before Jesus' return? What is the status of those believers who die before that final day, before the second advent of Christ? And Paul answers in chapter 4, and that's really where we were last Sunday with Father Tripp. They are immediately present with the Lord. Paul says... This morning, the question has to do still with the return of Christ, the second advent of Christ, but it's a little different. The question is, how do we prepare for the return of Christ? But essentially, really what the church of Thessalonica was after is when Paul is Christ going to return. Surely you know, tell us when he's going to return and to really sum up what Paul is about to say, his heart concerning these things, it is this. This is really the essence of my message this morning to you and to me is the issue is not when he comes. The issue is not when he comes, the issue is how you live until he comes. The issue is not when he comes. You don't need to know when he comes. The issue is how you live until He does. And so you see all of this language right here that Paul gives the church. Be sober. Be watchful. Don't sleep. Don't live like unbelievers. You are of the light. You're not of the darkness. Don't be caught off guard. In other words, you should never be afraid to trust an unknown future into the hands of a known God, you know Him. It is so fitting, isn't it that we land here in this text on this Sunday just before we set sail into Advent? It's fitting because you know those of you that have been Anglican long enough that the messages throughout Advent is a lot has a lot to do with the first Advent. Right When Jesus was born, it also has everything to do with the second advent, the coming of the Messiah again for the church. And we see that here in verse two, don't we? Throughout the centuries the church has looked forward to Christ's coming. The Baptist preacher Alexander McLaren said this quote, "The Apostolic Church thought more about the second coming of Jesus Christ than about death and heaven." The early Christians were always looking not for a cleft in the ground called a grave, but for a cleavage in the sky called glory. So let's dig into this text this morning, see what God has for us. Let me summarize this passage by just giving you two summary statements. Here they are. The day of the Lord is coming, and the disciples of the Lord are watching. The day of the Lord is coming... The disciples of the Lord are watching. So let's look at the first summary statement, the day of the Lord is coming. Notice verses 1 through 3 with me. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Now, they've clearly said to Paul, Paul, we'd like to hear more about the timing of Jesus' return. And his response is, you don't need to write You don't need me to write to you about the timing of Jesus' return. I've already taught you about that. And Jesus has already told us that His coming will be like a thief in the night. If you remember when His disciples asked Him the same question, Lord, explain to us when the end will come and what signs of that end will be. And do you remember what Jesus said to His disciples? Of that day and of that hour, no man knows, not even the Son of Man. And so Paul is essentially repeating that right here. He's redundant. He knows the teachings of Jesus. And he says exactly what Jesus said. You don't need to know this. You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That language is coming right out of what Jesus said to his disciples. If you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke... And all the gospels, Jesus teaching to his disciples on his coming is recorded in different forms, in different links, but they use that language of his coming, being like a thief on the night. What's the point of that? Thief in the night. What, what's he getting at? Well, the point is this unpredictability. If he knew that the thief is coming, it would be vain for the thief to try to break into your home. More on that later, but the point is this. The Lord's return is inevitable, but it's unpredictable. Paul makes that very clear here. The currents of Jesus' coming is absolutely certain. He also emphasizes that this day is going to be sudden. It's going to be surprising, especially for those who do not believe, who are doubters of this Messiah who struggle with Christ. Look at verse 3, while people are saying there's peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them. And then in verse 4, but you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters, for that day to surprise you like a thief. In other words, Paul is saying the world can lull you into a false sense of security. I think that's true, don't you? Very few, very few people, probably at least until up six months ago, had any kind of anticipation of a reckoning with God in the end, death, a real belief in a returning Savior who's going to judge the world and judge every human being who's ever lived. Paul says to the church and to us this morning, you know better. You know better. That day won't surprise you. Hanging in your home, where you eat, on your door mantles, hidden deep in your heart, Lord willing, is the last prayer of the Bible. Have any idea what the last prayer of the Bible is? Last verse of the entire Bible, book of Revelation? It's essentially this. Amen. Come. Lord Jesus, the day of the Lord is coming. Second summary statement, the disciples of the Lord are watching, verses 4 through 8. Paul just expands his thoughts on why the church won't be surprised that day. Verses 4 through 8, he gives us five things that disciples do in preparing for the Lord's return. Notice verse 6, disciples stay awake. Secondly, verse 6, disciples are self-controlled they're sober. They're not drunk. They're self-controlled. They don't drink too much Bud Light, Coors Light, right? They're sober, self-controlled. Verse 8, they cultivate a a life of faith. Verse 8, number 4, they cultivate a life of love. They love people. And lastly, verse 8, they cultivate a life of hope. So let's look at all these very quickly. So first, Paul says, Stay awake, be watchful, be self-controlled for that day when the Lord will come. Great advice, right? It's great advice because, I mean, if if he knew when the thief was coming, Paul would be like, you know, the the wallet is in the dresser. There's a note on the door. Just walk on in. There are valuables here, here, here here and here. Paul doesn't say that, does he? He he says he will be like a thief. He will he will not you won't know when he's coming. He says, stay awake. This is watchfulness in which you are living a life anticipating the return of Christ. You're living your life knowing full well that there is a day coming when Christ Will come and he will settle all accounts, and this world will be transformed into the new heavens and the new earth. Let me say this I said this to the early service, and I think it's important just as a footnote here that there is more danger for us living in days of blessing, days of grace, in a country that is so blessed. There's more danger to fall asleep than anybody else. One person said a Christian never falls asleep in the fire or in the water, but they grow drowsy in the sunshine. You know that to be true, don't you? I know that to be true. Like when things are great, like you've you barely put your face toward heaven. You're it's harder to be on your knees in prayer. But when we're faced with trials and the such of this world, our face is before God. We are earnestly depending on Him for everything. But when we have times and seasons of grace and goodness, we become almost sleepy, that we almost forgot our first love, our dependence upon Him. Paul says, stay awake, be sober, be self-controlled. Paul says not only that, but we must always be cultivating a life of faith and hope and love. I've learned long ago that most of life is really made up of a faith that learns to trust in the Lord and to lean not on my own understanding. It takes a little age to get there, doesn't it? (laughs) Some of you with gray hair, you're not spring chickens anymore. Uh, But when I was younger, you know, you're bullheaded, you're stubborn, you're going to do it your way, but you learn a life of faith, don't you? A life of faith, learning to take God at his word despite all evidence of the contrary. Keep the faith, love sinners, love saints, but more properly, the people of God are a people of hope. I think for many of us, pervasive day in and day out, brokenness has turned our youthful boast that nothing is impossible with God into a weary nothing is ever going to change. And Paul's begging us to grasp onto something quite different. That's a hope that guarantees at least something. Change is not only possible, but surely is coming. Jesus' empty tomb stands as a solid, immovable witness that brokenness is beaten. With the hope of God running the world, the risen Christ at his right hand, the mighty spirit living inside you and me, no brokenness can stand forever. One day, our hope will reach its fulfillment and the coming of the sun and the dawning of eternity. And he will speak the final word that exiles brokenness from the earth. Let me leave you with two applicational points that come right out of verse 11. Verse 11 is fitting, isn't it, to end our time together? Let us encourage one another up. Let us build one another up. I mean, you know, in abnormal days, there's plenty of discouragement to go around, isn't there? We need to encourage one another in these days. We need to spur one another on to cultivate faithfulness and hope and love for one another. We need to unite as the body of Christ together. We need to spur one another on in our walks with the Lord for the day of the Lord is coming. It's coming. Secondly, as we reach toward and encourage one another, we need to reach out to those that may not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Because we love, right? We love people. Our prayer is always for St. Paul's is that we don't become isolated and just about us. May we take Jesus, the gospel, into this community. May we spread a passion for the glory of God to all people in and through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in these endeavors to be watchful, to be sober, to be self-controlled, to cultivate a life of faith and hope and love. May we as a body here at St. Paul's unite under the banner of the cross of Christ. May we take you into the world. So help us, make us the hands and feet of Jesus. May we love sinners. May we love saints. We ask all this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all God's people said.